Welcome back to Geek Life, the indie comics podcast. I'm JP. As always with me is my fearless co-host, Joe. The sleeper has awakened. <laughs> we are recording in the morning. Right. Like like productive adults. Yeah, big <laughs> difference. About. It's, I'm coffee today. What's going on? I know. It's the coffee and, and bagels version of Panda Mania. That's right. <laughs> no more beer and pizza. Oh, fail. I totally forgot to turn my phone off. At least I have some geek cred for the sound effect, right, guys? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's two podcasts in a row now. Dude. <laughs> All right. So, also with us, we have our new shiny co-host. Yay for shiny. <laughs> Marcus Clausen. Hey. Just, hey. Just, I, don't, I don't know. I said yay for shiny. I thought we're good. <laughs> Let's move on. I thought just the top of his head shiny. Oh, it's a bald joke. <laughs> now they're all going to know what I look like. Oh. And then, of course, with us, we have the comic king, John Harder, from waterfrontcomics.com. Of course, you guys want to check out 4Js and a comic, which uh, Joe, John, and myself are on. And uh, it's a great podcast. Hello, everyone. <laughs> that's iconic. <laughs> so today's twiddling his fingers together. That's true. Hello. Yes. <laughs> you get the uh, Mr. Burns like excellent. So like we said last week, we have decided to change format and focus almost entirely on comics. So in the spirit of that moving forward and really just answering the call of our listeners to have more and more comic goodness. We've decided to sit down and talk about how to comic for noobs. So what we mean by that is how do you deal with that really kind of learning cliff the first time you walk yeah. into a comic book store? It can be overwhelming. Where, where we really came up with this idea was on an episode of 4Js. Yes. We reviewed the new Avengers titles and me being dumb enough to think that with them being new number ones... That <laughs> it's a starting. Yeah. That it would be a good starting point for JP and uh, Justin, who weren't familiar with the characters, basically, except for outside of the movies, and it failed spectacularly. Most of the podcast ended up being me explaining. <laughs> it was like the what was and how for on. what to and how why. <laughs> uh, this guy's from here, and he can do this. And this guy, I, I don't even know this guy. Was either like the new 52 or the ultimate series. I mean, ultimate series was its own, a new start. Like if you wanted to start reading something from the bottom floor, ultimate series. When that was... began, I, that was perfect for, mm -hmm. but for now even attracting that's, new readers, but now even that's a couple hundred issues in yeah, tw so. it's 12 years in yeah, and it's been, it's been rebooted several times mm -hmm. where even someone like me who was there from the ground floor of that is a little bit lost yeah. in the continuity of everything so as you can tell it's easy to feel like there's so much history and so much that's come before that when you first walk into the shop if all the you know experience you've had with comics has been movies and television shows and you know your you know errant comic here and there when you were younger you walk into the comic book shop with the the mindset i'm going to learn how to be a comic book geek i'm going to check this out and start, you know, getting weekly issues and, or monthly issues and coming in every Wednesday and enjoying comic book day and, and really make the transition into that, it can be a little overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to give you guys some suggestions. All right. So um, first, why don't we just kind of, let's just kind of go around in a circle. I have a couple ideas down and uh, why don't we start with John? So what's one of the first things that you would say just advice wise for somebody who's a brand spanking new comic book reader? My advice is don't be afraid to get a trade paperback collection. Most people walk in here thinking, I can just grab a comic book off the shelf and I'll be fine. Well, the unfortunate thing about monthly comics in how comics have evolved 
is generally you'll be in the middle of some kind of issues long storyline that you may or may not be able to pick up on the fly. I attribute that to like tonight will be the final episode of the Breaking Bad TV series. Right. So so excited. Think of new comic books as the show, the airing of the original episodes. Oh, that's good. I like that. And so say you would walk into this fictional comic store and the Breaking Bad comic was on the shelf. If you grab the final issue, you would probably be completely lost. Yeah. And reasonably so. But you can walk over to the DVD collection section, pick up the first season and go from there. And that's kind of what a trade paperback is. is yeah. that, what is it typically between four and six issues? About, get... Yeah, six, six, eight, twelve, mm-hmm. somewhere in there, you know. And it has a whole complete storyline, a whole complete thought, a whole complete story. Now, if you, for those of you that aren't familiar, again, because this is for noobs, trade paperback essentially is several comics squeezed into one actual uh, format. Yeah. It's going to be like a paperback book. Where, you know? where the term trade paperback comes in from was if you think about going into a bookstore where you see the standard size paperbacks, those are the mass market editions. A trade paperback is basically the bookseller's term for anything that's larger than that size. I see. And a comic book being six by 10 is obviously larger than a paperback novel size. Sure. Sure. Trade paper. That's actually one of my notes is that a trade paperback is a really great way to start because I don't know how many times I've come in and said, Oh, that looks like a really cool series. I hadn't noticed that before. And I pulled down the most recent issue and start thumbing through. And especially when it's only in the 10s or 20s, because you can come in and go, you can almost feasibly actually get all of the issues. I can mm-hmm. remember when All New X-Men and Uncanny X-Men was was coming out. It had been coming out for a couple months. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to jump on the X-Men you know, train. And I came in and I was able to get all 10 issues. Now, granted, this is X-Men and there's lots of reprints and it's really popular. And so something like that, you can get the issues for. And I prefer mm-hmm. having the issues. I like that. But... Several other times I thought, oh, this is great. The the most recent current run of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, that was one of the first times I came across that. And I was like, oh, man, I'd love to get into this. But it's like on issue 12. And I said, you know, what can I do? Can we order the back issues? And John was like, well, we'll just get the trade. And that's really great because then you get the trade. And a lot of the time the trade sometimes has some some extra stuff and some Behind sometimes this, samplings of the back matter. Bonus features. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. And it'll even be a couple of bucks cheaper than buying each individual issue that it's comprised of oh quick side note we had to stop and switch mics because my dumbass gave marcus the wrong mic and so if he sounded a little far away until this point that's why but it's fixed now see marcus say something and see now i can you can hear me completely and it's not like john's playing a joke on me <laughs> he said this is the this is the one that works use this one you'll be sounded perfect and oh, it's the best way blah, blah, blah. the audiences are gonna love this you is because it's this is because it's the morning cast <laughs> he was trying to give you guys a buffer so you oh. can sort of have some distance from the things that i'm gonna say it may be a good idea to do to justin's mic on uh, <laughs> oh. john said doo-doo brutal brutal <laughs> so let's move over joe what is a suggestion that you would like to give a comic noob all right for real noobs a lot of older comic book fans would really hate this suggestion, but starting with the New 52, like DCs, they've gone a long way into making their 80 plus years of comic history accessible to new readers. And surprisingly, as an old, older comic fan, I will agree with you on most of that. Yeah. 
Um, especially the Batman titles. Those have been spectacularly well done. Yeah, definitely. Um, I thought Batman, it, though, like, didn't change that much. I thought it, it kind of it, kept the same. It pretty much did, but it uh, kind of freshened it up. Mm-hmm. Um, the same with Green Lantern, Aquaman. I heard the Aquaman run was really well. Uh, that Animal Man was surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. And now that they've got a decent writer, uh, Jeff Jeff Lumiere on the Green Arrow, that's doing much better. Nice. Yeah, if you can start with the third trade paper back at that, and it is. Mm-hmm. Now, does the success of the Green Arrow and the new comic, the new Fifty Two comics, have anything to do with the show at all? Because a lot Probably. of people were talking about the show. There's also that's another thing. A lot of shows and movies will have their own version of the comic. Like, there's an actual Arrow comic that's picking up... Specifically based on the show. Specifically based on the so show. Because there's, there's, there's a Smallville comic, too, I think. There yeah. is a Smallville. Starts with season 11. Yeah, it continues where the show ended. Um, Also fun that DC has put out recently, they are doing new comic books based on the Batman 1966 show. Nice. The Adam West show. <laughs> and Adam it is... West. It is as zany and and fun as you would think it would be. Awesome. You know, it's you know, like one of those campy shows put on paper. Nice. Nice. That sounds fun. It's good. It's nice that they do the reboot. That's another thing that you can take into consideration is that pretty regularly, and by pretty regularly I mean every several years. It's not like, you know, once or twice a year, you know, it's like it's pretty pretty regularly in the grand scheme of things, series will get reboots. And then every once in a while, they'll do like a big universe reboot. You know, mm-hmm. they did like, what was it? The Ultimates stuff started kind of fresh and continued on, right? Mm-hmm. When the Ultimate line was started, it was started after Marvel had released, well, Fox had released the first X-Men movie. Mm. And the X-Men book, comic books themselves were in a very inaccessible, unless you were had been reading the X-Men storyline for about 10 years. Um, a lot of the Marvel hierarchy ended up being fired. and um, So we're talking staff, writers, artists. I'm guys. talking like editor-in-chiefs. Oh, wow. You know, the, the top Marvel Interesting. people yeah, ended up... switched over to uh, Joe Quesada, yeah, and, right? And, and Joe Quesada was hired because Joe Quesada had done a, like, a little imprint called Marvel Knights. Mm. And the powers that be, you know, the CEO level... It was shown that those comics were selling spectacularly well compared to the rest of the line. And why is Daredevil and Black Panther selling more than Spider-Man and Captain America and almost as much as the X-Men hmm. kind of thing? So he was put in charge to kind of take over Marvel. And that's kind of where the new NU Marvel people think that started. And he came in and revitalized everything. And one of the things that they did was they started what was called the Ultimates line, which was basically what would happen if Marvel Comics started, in this case, the year 2000. Right. So we get a 15-year-old Peter Parker in the year 2000. So with the problems that a modern 15-year-old would have, and also kind of like the life experiences a modern 15-year-old would have. So it's a little more relatable. Relatable. But now, of course, it's 2013. Sure. There's been several hundred issues that have come out, and... That now is going through kind of a reboot. So, you know, it's all time. You know, we were, we, were, we were having a discussion on one of the 4J podcasts about Marvel time. Right. And how it's uh, kind of squishy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how could. Wibbly wobbly yeah, time. Yeah. Wobbly. It's very Doctor Who ish. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. how could the Fantastic Four 
you know, been around in 1963 and still only be like seven or eight years later today. Sure, sure, sure. It's all about time. Like you were talking about the reboots and relaunches. That's it's a good way to get started. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to pay attention to that. If you can keep your ear to the ground with the comic scene news, you can. I mean, and this is specifically talking about the long running series, a lot of which would be the superhero type series. You know, keep your ear to the ground. And sometimes, you know, on a relatively regular basis, there are reboots. And sometimes there's a bunch of stuff that gets rebooted all at once. Like we were just talking earlier about the new 52. Mm-hmm. That's a great time to get in. And so it's almost like waiting for your right opportunity. Yeah. And it's pointed at new readers. Exactly. And I don't know if you have this on your sheet or not, but that was going to be my next point was there are more to comics than just Marvel and DC comics. Yes. Mm-hmm. There yes. is a whole world, you know, of things out there you know i was making the super the the television analogy Mm -hmm. so most people think that comic books are just the superhero you know like the superhero movies and all that yes and it would be kind of akin to if every show on television was about working in the er (laughs) yeah or about or about you know police procedural stuff stuff. Mm -hmm. i mean so while there are several of those out there you know, there's also a whole other world of stuff if you go above the, you know, the big three networks. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that it would be pretty safe to suggest or even assume that a lot of the serious comic book readers over time start to drift farther and farther away from being really intensely interested in the superhero stuff and start to move more into the things that are a little more interesting, a little different, divergent, sometimes short runs. I know that you, John, have said that you really wouldn't consider that the superhero subject to be the most interesting thing to you out of the gate. I mean, and of course I'm 40 years old. So, right. You know, theoretically that shouldn't be right. Exactly. It's, you know, there's something there for everybody really like really, but that's actually a really good point to make is that the assumption that comic books are almost all about muscles, big boobs and tights and superpowers is, is totally incorrect. You know, like the last episode we did of Four J's, we reviewed a comic called Pedro and Me mm. that has absolutely Excellent. nothing to do with superheroes in the very least. And all four of us big burly men up here, by the time we were leaving talking about the show, you know, we were all very emotional about what that comic was about and what it did. Yeah, there are several comics that are powerful, bring tears to your eye type of powerful. And so, you know, Will Eisner is famous for even before it was commonly accepted, even within the comic book reader community or or production side even, always asserted that comic books as a medium, sequential, sequential art as a medium, was capable of so much. And his work and his writings are definitely a good place to dig into that if you're curious. Well, comics are a medium, and superhero comics are a genre, genre. of the medium. Right, right. So, Marcus, you got some suggestions for our listeners? Uh, well, I mean, first to reiterate what you guys were saying, the trade paperbacks are huge. I don't always stick with uh, the big two, uh, specifically because I don't know the history. And so to come sure. walk into a store and, and see like, oh, there's a new Superman, there's a new Batman, there's a new Spider-Man. It's like, I, I don't know the years and years and years of stuff that's gone on. So I really like to collect um, trades of uh, indie comics. Um yes. Now, by indie, do you mean publisher-owned stuff being produced and put out by Dark Horse and Image and IDW, or do you mean, like, small press? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm not just saying that because I, you know, publish my own comic. There's a lot of really good indie stuff out there to absorb. Um, mm-hmm. 
stuff that you know you've reviewed on on your podcast in the sure. past and then there's on a this lo- very podcast on this very podcast it's your podcast too now oh welcome to the fold Yay. one of us one, one of us. us do i get to like claim all the history like pretend like i was here in the background just not actually saying well, anything this is the pandamanga reboot <laughs> oh, okay. We're the ultimate pandemic. Yes, the ultimate pandemic. Um, <laughs> the new pandemic. I also like ultimate miniseries. All new. <laughs> <laughs> miniseries are uh, oh, are right. really nice because yes. I mean you mm. you start with number one, you read the entire series, the story's over with. You have a nice collection of comics, and it's a really great story. I'm like right now, I'm reading Wake with uh, Scott, Scott Snyder, Snyder and uh, Sean Gordon so Murphy. Did you pick that up yourself, or did I talk you into that? No, I picked that up myself. Yes. I mean, I've, I've always been a fan of uh, somebody of, uh, else. Found Sean it. Gordon it Murphy, so and actually, it's it's kind of because of the big two that I got into Snyder because someone told me that you know he had started the new 52 batman and did so mm-hmm. amazingly with yeah. the the first story arc for the batman that uh i was like well let me see what else he has that's not dc or marvel related and that led me on to american vampire which is a great, yes, series. great series and then i heard he was teaming up with uh sean gordon murphy to do to do wake and uh it's really good and that way i feel like i don't have to have known years and years of history i'm just it's like starting a fresh story mm-hmm. well Definitely. it is starting a fresh story well that, that segues into a point or john did you i was just gonna the snyder vampire series that he did from image set in the 30s depression was also very good yeah nice it's a good segue into another point that I wanted to make is that instead of getting locked into thinking, oh, again, bringing back to your movie analogy, which I think is great movie and television analogy. It's brilliant. Is that it's not, oh, I like I like NCIS or I like this or like that. Like you get to where you like actors, you like directors, you like cinematographers, you like fight choreographers and you start to get clear about the people behind the scenes and you follow them. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the big things that I think is a big threshold you cross, a transition into having a more advanced appreciation and ability to choose and, and peruse the comic book store is when you see a new comic up that says number one and, oh, Snyder? Nice. I like Snyder. You know, or, oh, cool. Millar did another thing. Oh, very cool. You know, and so like that becomes yeah. something after you get a little bit of time in, you start to be able to follow the people that create the comics instead of just the title. And a lot of the time, especially in those long-running ones, they switch up, which is Mm -hmm. another point I wanted to make, is that be prepared for long-running series to change. Change dramatically. Change in the story style, change in the art, because all of those roles, the inker, the colorist, the penciler, the writer, or writers, they switch up on long-running comics. It's very rare for them to be the same guy always. Especially if... They come from a corporate comics, yep. like mm-hmm. a Marvel owned by Disney sure. or DC owned by Warner Brothers. The Even the editorial isn't making the decisions. The decisions made up on high, you know, what can we do to basically make this increase our IP? As possible, go quick. Yeah. yeah. So that's something that I would say really, I think, was off-putting at first when I first came in and was trying to learn more about American comics because as a young person reading comics, I was more of a Japanese comics manga reader or manga, if you want to get particular and be a douchebag. I was in in, uh, Japantown in San Francisco. There's a great bookstore called Kinokunia, 
and it's, it has access Gesundheit. to all kinds of cool stuff. Hmm? Yes. <laughs> and I was in there and just randomly talking to this little kid who was super uptight and super like, I'm learning Japanese. I went to a Japanese summer school and blah, 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 blah. And I'm so cool. And I was like, oh, you read manga? And he's like, it's pronounced manga. And I wanted to smack him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and anyway, so moving on. Um, I think John fought a little kid in the store and is not telling us the whole story. <laughs> Basically, what I was going to say is that I grew up reading reading Japanese comics in, you know, in like high school, junior high. And for the most part, that is the same team for the whole thing. And a lot of them are much shorter. Mm-hmm. And so coming into American comics, reading long running comics, it's was really strange for me. I think one of the first times I ran into it was when I was reading a omnibus of Criminal Macabre written by Stephen Niles, who's amazing. And the artist kept changing. And the story was consistently the same tone, the same feel, because it is his story. It's a, you know, it's a creative. He owns the characters. Right. But the art was so dramatically different that it kind of lost me a little ways later. And I remember thinking to myself, like, what happened? What's so? And then it's like, oh, it's a completely different person. And didn't it start with Ben? It started with Ben Templesmith and then moved to this sort of, I mean, I don't want to be rude, but it moved to this like much more just kind of average, normal, like what you would imagine a comic book looking like instead of instead of this like super dark, gritty, textured sort of stuff that Ben Templesmith does. Anyway, so that I think is something that. Were I aware of that mechanic in American comics and went in expecting and being kind of at peace with the idea that writers, artists, the whole range is going to probably switch up in the middle of things, especially in long running comics, it would have saved me a lot of like, what kind of moments? So that's a good thing to know kind of coming in. John, what's uh, who was the artist, the first artist on The Walking Dead? Tony Moore. Tony Moore, I loved and he only did a few issues. He did six issues, but he couldn't produce them in a timely enough manner. It took him about two to three months to do a comic. I mean, I love The Walking Dead, but man, his artwork in the first those first six so issues good. was so good. But, but Are we the, sure that wasn't Kirkman? Because he is the latest comic book creator I have ever had the misfortune of He reading. hasn't been lately. I mean... Well, now that he has a TV show, yeah, they'll probably <laughs> well, know, I mean, keep him on track. But. I mean, there were... I think a lot of his lateness problems... Tony Moore was known for being a very slow artist. Mm. The original artist on Invincible was known for being very slow. Mm -hmm. And plus, in order to get Invincible and Walking Dead published in the early time, he also had to have a staff job with Marvel where he was right. So so the the stuff that you're contracted for has has to to get done first. Okay. Mm. And then, especially if you know that it takes Corey Walker two months to draw 22 pages, mm. you know, and that, but ever since, you know, Ryan Otley's been on board, it's been a fairly consistent every five, six weeks. All right, Kirkman, you're yeah. off the hook. This time. Charlie, Charlie Allred, you know, he's been on Walking Dead now for well over a hundred issues. Okay. You know, and we're getting it, into a good rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and now it's actually going to be published twice a month. Jesus, nice. starting. It's crazy speedy in comparison. Ah. Well, I mean, like you said, now he has the money from the TV movies. Yeah. Or, I mean, the TV show. Right. So, I mean, it's, you know, not now that you're, you know, theoretically worth, you know, a lot of money. Right. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, pay better to have, you know, the the good, fast, or cheap, pick two of the three. 
It's like you can have yeah, it more. Now you can have it fast and good. <laughs> right. <You know. laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and take a quick musical break. Uh, when we get back, we'll continue on with some recommendations from you guys. And we'll tap into our Twitter community who have some good recommendations for you guys. Before we get back into the subject, I wanted to share with you guys a recommendation on Audible. This podcast is sponsored by Audible. You can go to audibletrial.com forward slash geeklife to get your free audiobook download and try one month of their excellent service. Along with the free audiobook, you get 30% off of their entire catalog, which is copious. Indeed. Indeed. The book that I read slash listened to, we still haven't decided how we really want to say that. I think I settled on listened to. Okay. All right. Listened to. I bought enjoyed. Enjoyed. Yeah. There you go. The, the, the book that I most recently enjoyed was Seven Princes by John R. Foltz, our friend John. Yeah. It's been on a couple podcasts. If you remember a while back, I can't remember quite what the number was, but uh, it was a while back. He actually came on and talked to us about what it's like to be a writer, how to break into writing and deal with publishers and get a agent and all that fun stuff. It was uh, pretty cool. So I thought, hey, what the hell? I you know love to listen to audiobooks, and so I downloaded his book, and I really just enjoyed the hell out of it. It's a great high fantasy book. It's uh, a lot going on, many different strings that come together really cleanly in the end, and magic and swords and shields and giants and monsters and you know, it's just completely cool. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I couldn't even begin to get into all the story because it is complicated. And I would say that's probably one of the only challenges I had with it is that there were so many characters and so many different things happening at a time. But at the same time, it was so great because each time that John switched from one part of the story with one section of characters doing a particular task or challenge or, you know, journey to another, I'd almost lose myself in each one because each one was so well realized with such detailed and interesting characters with all this texture and character development and world building that he was doing that was just really fully well realized that 
I so enjoyed each part, and each part had very different feel to it. You know, one there's a is a you know one of the princes, obviously seven princes. One of the princes ends up going way up north into the frozen wastes and meets a giant clan of frost giants, and his whole story up there. And then you know another section, you know, there's people off learning magic, and another section is people off doing a big giant long travel trying to rally people to war and it's just a really varied and interesting book that really has something for everybody if you are a a uh, fantasy fan so again the book i recommend this week is seven princes of the uh, books of the shaper this is volume one of the books of the shaper by john r fultz narrated by david devries Really fun. Highly recommend. It's a good place to start. And you can get it for free if you go to audibletrial.com forward slash geek life. JP, how long was that book? It was a whole 17 and a half hours. So it's a nice long, it's a really good buy for that one credit. It's really awesome. I always try and spend my credit on epically long books, (laughs) you know, the 14, 15 plus hours and make it worth it. Make it worth it. Right. And it was great. I really enjoyed every minute of it. And it's kind of crazy now to hang out with John and play, you know, D&D with him and stuff and sit next to him and be like, I want to ask him questions about the book, (laughs) but I don't want to, I want to read it. (laughs) Anyway, if you do like the Seven Princes book, there is actually two more in the series, one of which is is about to come out, I think, right? The volume two is out right now. Volume two is out and And volume volume three three is coming out in December. Yeah. Very exciting. Well, let's go back to our subject of the day, how to comic for noobs. Let's go ahead and shift over and check the social media feeds and see what some of our friends on Twitter and Facebook had to say. So on Twitter, I got a couple good suggestions from our friends over at the Geeks with Wives and Capes podcast, which you can find at geekswithwives.com and follow them on Twitter at GWW Capes Crew. This is actually a really good one. So, so they say they suggest pick comics based on the villain. Find a villain you like and try those stories. Uh, they said that sometimes the main hero is the first main hero is rarely interesting. I don't know if I agree with that part of it, but I do think that it's it's an interesting idea to pick a book based on the, the villain instead. That's yeah. kind of a cool spin on things. I've always thought the better the Rose Gallery, the better the hero is. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like Batman has probably the best Rogues Gallery of anyone in comics. Absolutely. I don't know. I've I had that debate with people about Batman's Rogues versus Spider Man's Rogues. <laughs> Spider-Man's got Spider-Man has too. a great, well, great a, a, a hero is only as good as his antagonists. Yeah. Like I mean, a good protagonist grows and develops and is challenged mm-hmm. and is put through the paces by good antagonists. And yeah. that's it's a good antagonist that forces the hard questions and makes them grow and learn and you know puts them in that sort of oppressive I can't have relationships because people get killed you know the whole you know the whole thing that happened with Spider-Man and Gwen Stacy was such a powerful point in comics and you know historically a, an incredible turning point in comics as far as tone and generationally and and that's that's not because Spider-Man is being Spider-Man that was all the green goblin you know so one of my favorite heroes is Daredevil mm-hmm. and his comics were horrible until they made the kingpin the kingpin into his you know, main arch villain, and then that really defined the character. I'm gonna pretend like a second for a second that I know more about comics than John. He said Kingman. Let's all take a note of that. Did I? <laughs> you, I mean, you corrected yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, what an idiot! <laughs> <laughs> 
grasping at straws over here, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the other night I called our four J's in a comic podcast the four J's in a podcast comic. <laughs> oh dear it's a little vision to the future I have a little podcast or comic of us sitting around in a, t- in a tiny room <laughs> hanging out oh man <laughs> that would be hilarious uh, so we have another friend on twitter who uh, is uh, Stu Monroe who's at Teen Wolf 2 that's Teen Wolf then T-O-O and he suggests ask the guy in the shop he knows how to get you to keep coming back by selling you what you want <laughs> That's a smart man. That's a smart man. That's actually one of the ones on my list. One of the last ones I wanted to say is that I'm that... I'm no push man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you find a really good comic book store that has excellent employees and or owners that can really come in and share some knowledge with you about good comics, old and new, that is a great starting point. I mean, obviously, your local comic book store employee or owner is is the person to talk to about all this. You know, we can give you some suggestions, and that was one of the biggest reasons why we wanted John on here. Again, that's why we call him the Comics King, because John's knowledge of comic books is so great. He's the perfect person to ask. But sometimes that question is even tougher than you think. Like, oh, I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll have someone come in and be like, what's a good comic? And I'm like, well, there's about... 400 new ones on the wall right now what do you you like you know and they're like i don't know the one with the story and then i i'm like well what kind of books do you like to read i i don't know ones with words in them you know you know and it's like i'm like trying to like grab you know what kind of movies i i don't know like i don't watch movies so then that's a good point when you come into the comic book store even though you have the access to the great resource that is the people that frequent the store as as, along with the owner come in well prepared with what genres you like like have some kind of a ballpark you can point them towards i mean because the unfortunate thing i have anywhere from archie comics that you might like you know young readers my little pony comics in for younger people sure or young at heart people anywhere from stuff like mouse which is a survivor's tale of the auschwitz of auschwitz you yeah. know and there's a huge so, range i mean and you know there's everything in between and I mean, at least give me a little bit of something to go on. My uh, my favorite story is once I sold someone a comic, an Incredible Hulk comic, because we decided he liked the color green. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that needs to go down in the history. Is like that's awesome. So, in other words, you went through everything else. Yes. What kind of movies do you like? What kind of books do you read? What kind of TV show do you like? What's your favorite fucking color? <laughs> <laughs> I really like Kermit the Frog, but I think it's mostly because it's hard to be green. (laughs) And I relate with that. I relate with that. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Uh, Over on Facebook, we actually got a good comment from my good friend Pete Davies. Pete suggests, uh, well, of course, ask someone at the comic book store what's some good titles. But he says, and this is good advice, definitely don't choose based off of which ones have the most badass cover. Sometimes the cover is not a good representation of what's inside, and sometimes it is. It's just a toss-up. It's a roll of the dice. I love my job. And then this is probably the most first-world problem ever. Yeah. (laughs) But this last month was hell, because DC did the special cover month. Oh, right. All all these really cool 3D covers, but yet did not produce enough where the comic book stores could get enough for what they ordered. So I was allocated down many cases to 20% of what I felt, you know, I could sell and had to pick and choose who that 20% would be. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That's pretty. And then you were getting people, you were saying that we're calling that are not 
regular customers here and we're getting livid with you that you didn't have what they needed when obviously they were calling you because their normal comic shop didn't have it anyway. Yeah, or or because they were selling for $45 on eBay that day and they wanted to buy them for $3 to sell them for 45 <laughs> <laughs> Assholes. <laughs> so one final thought that I think is a, is a really good one. It's something that I've, I've come to realize after having gotten into reading, you know, which actually, well, I guess this is kind of two thoughts wrapped in one. First of all, go in and just start grabbing things that like have number one. <laughs> you know, if something comes out and there's a new number one and the cover looks interesting and if you're at a comic shop where they let you kind of thumb through it a little bit, like see if you like the art a little bit, you know, even if you know nothing about it, just you just try it. I mean, it's like it's three or four dollars. It's not the end of the world. And it doesn't even have to be the number one first issue. It can yeah. be the number one in a new storyline. Sure. Then many times it'll say that on the cover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Part one of yeah. right. And so it's a great way to get going. You know, look for anything with number one. That was sort of my mo when I was coming in here for a while. Yeah, it was anything how... that had number one on it, I would go and give it a fair shake. You know, and yeah, it obviously... took us a couple of weeks for you to get as many titles as you are doing now. Oh yeah, well it took. Months, really. Yeah. But but now I have good stuff. And then this leads into, and this is a little deeper into when you've been doing comics, but comics lead to other comics. I was recently reading Sheltered, which is a great series, and I'm enjoying it quite a bit. A pre-apocalyptic tale is what they call it. It's mm-hmm. awesome. That kid in there is a dick. Oh, my God. Oh, I really am looking forward to talking about that on 4Js when there's enough for a trade because it's a great comic. But anyway, so at the back of Sheltered, they had some advertisements for other books. And oh, Vertigo is or is it Vertigo or Image? That's an Image title. But. Yeah. Oh, Image does it too. They they're good about advertising. They are. So their so that's titles. the thing that's so cool is that a lot of the time when you're reading a comic and you're like, this comic is freaking great. In the back, the comics they recommend, you'll probably like those too. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, was it Coffin Hill? No, it was actually Hoax Hunters. Hoax, Hunters, which I've really so. enjoyed a lot. Yeah. And if you like Hoax Hunters, I recommend Hack Slash. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. And if you like Hack Slash, I recommend. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you want to come into the shop and talk to John. But it has some idea. You know, I don't want to break it down to like, Superman wears blue, read this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the, the, the best piece of advice I can give in relation to picking good stuff that in relation to the advertisements and the comic books is that you'll be much more likely to like the comics the deeper you get into a niche category. The reason why I like hoax hunters and and the reason why it was very likely advertised and sheltered is that sheltered is a pretty specific category it's not really broad it is it is kind of like preppers apocalyptic violent you know that's like it's it's getting getting kind of off into like a pretty tight corner um and so it's a sort of a niche category and i think the more niche you get the more specific you get with your with your comic the i mean as far as like who it would appeal to the more likely the advertisements in that book are going to be speaking right to you like, for example, I'm reading the X-Men stuff, and some of the stuff that they advertise in the back of X-Men is something that I would be interested in, and some of it I just don't give a shit about. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it's it's a little bit more hit and miss when you come to broader categories like the superhero category or the super team category. It's like I – there's all kinds of different stuff, and and so it's harder to – I guess you're less likely to – be recommended something in those books and the advertisements that's like bang on exactly what you're going to like. But when you get deeper into a niche category that's really specific like that, like sheltered or like 10 grand, which I'm reading from Straczynski that's over on the Joe's comics, Joe's comics through image. Yeah. Which is amazing. There's, I found one called sidekick, which is also amazing, but it's also super dark and hard, but it was recommended through that. And so like, I found a lot of comics from reading other comics. So anyway, well, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up, you guys? Read comics. Come to the shop. <laughs> yeah, that 
Go to the comic shop. That's where they keep all the comics. That is where they live. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. You can also send us an email via our contact form on the Geek Life page, which is podcast.pandamanga.com. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. As always, we'd love for you guys to weigh in on the subject of the day, so if you want to post some comments on the site or tweet and or Facebook at us, we would love to hear your ideas. You can follow us on Twitter at IndieComics, the number four, all. So IndieComics for all. And also on Facebook, we are at facebook.com forward slash pandamangacomics. Thanks again for listening, you guys. We'll see you next week. You know, if you pick up a motorcycle and throw it out there. Fags!